All right, Eddie, well, we're obviously here at the Target Sports Stars Fishing Championship 2020. It's nice to see you. It's been months. Don't you dare. Did you seriously, did you just look that at me? Used to the old fishy maggots, are you, Michelle? No. No. no not. Actually, you know what? One of the things that I wanted to learn over uh, lockdown was to fish. Yeah. Well, I'm not really a mad fisherman, but my dad is. Yeah. So he's like constantly uh, on me to fish with him. Oh, I lost one. I lost one. That's all right. Um, so it's quite nice. I mean, obviously, we've got a very busy week this week with a Dillian White, and I've got to go into the bubble tonight and go and get tested, but it's quite nice just to get some fresh air and step away from the madness. Lockdown's been a bit like that, you know? Like a chance to actually live a proper life. I hope you've felt the same. It's, it was definitely interesting. The silver lining was obviously seeing my family more than I've ever seen them in the last 10 years, but... Also, it just makes you start thinking about what's important, you know, and like, we, we all get in a bubble, don't we, of hustling and oh numbers and we've got to do this and we've got to do that which obviously is our passion and it helps us provide a great life for us and our family if you're successful at it but do start realizing bloody hell i haven't been on a plane for four months i've been sleeping eight or nine hours a night i've been training like every other day actually this is a nice lifestyle since the last time i spoke to you um it was when usik and Chisora had their press conference yeah. just before the world shut down, basically. Yeah. yeah, I was like, I was like, um, don't worry, you know, this will be over in a couple of weeks. You got, you got to battle through this. And now everyone's playing the interviews, going, look at him, you know. <laughs> um, but no one expected what was about to happen, and uh, you know, it's been a challenge because obviously the, the world's changed, but the sports changed as well. And you know, we're now living in a world where we have to produce content behind closed doors for a live event that you know, we've built the importance of the crowd and the atmosphere over the last 10 years and now we're having to say no actually we don't need a crowd look at this and I think we've done a great job with Fight Camp and it's been a great challenge to be honest with you I mean you've got Terry Harper over there had one of the fights of the year you know at Fight Camp oh no um, and whilst it's been a tremendous success we still oh we still, we still realise the importance of live crowds and we hope they return soon. Yeah. I read somewhere that you said that you were thinking about maybe reintroducing some fight fans in September. I know that I was hearing that the London mayor was saying something along the lines of perhaps, oops, looks like you got something. Yo, in second one. Oh, non-stop monsters here. Look, and he's not even taking the maggot, look. Not even taking the maggot. So we can keep that on. Look, reuse the maggot, fantastic. Yeah. So we had 300 people at the snooker at the weekend mm -hmm. and we're gonna try to speak to the government and say, how about a couple of hundred people in September? Because that's how we're gonna get the ball rolling. You know, make sure that we can start trying to push the boundaries and, and let fans return. We don't know whether the decision from the government in October and beyond is going to be a percentage of the capacity, a number of people. But look, it's, it's definitely not going to be back to normal this year, and it's going to be very challenging for promoters to, to work the numbers. I guess one of the questions I, I wanted to ask as well was that, you know, given that the big fights, we're talking about like Joshua, yeah. right? Do you wait 
until did you get another one? Holy crap, you got another one. Yeah, I don't think they're really gonna threaten the leaderboard though, to be fair. <laughs> Look at that, and we still got Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um No. You're learning so much about fishing. Genuinely, it was one of the things I wanted to learn during lockdown. Yeah, because, you know, if anything ever happened in this world, I learned how to garden, grow my own vegetables. Now I just want to learn to... Uh, what vegetables did you learn to grow? Um, I have tomato plants, potatoes, uh, three different types of potatoes. Okay. I'm growing um, mixed greens, spinach. I'm growing... Send me some. Joshua, do you... Like, are you kind of, like, waiting to sort of see if... if if there will be crowds? You know, people have got to fight. So AJ wants to improve as a fighter. He hasn't boxed since December. So he has to box this year. You know, obviously, the fighter never comes to you and says, oh, we understand there's a lot less revenue now, so you're going to pay me a lot less money. So it's our job to find a solution. That might be boxing in a, in a country where there is um, crowds allowed, you know, or there might be a country that, oh, might be a country that wants to expose itself from a tourism perspective and will pay a site fee. Or we might be in a position where we can get five, ten thousand people in the O2. So um, it's all work in progress, but Joshua will definitely fight this year. Yeah. Well, what countries are you considering as backup? Basically, the ones where. Oh. <laughs> there it goes. Oh, you got. Oh, no. took. Oh, no. Um, it's fascinating, isn't it? Thrilling. Um, countries that will, will clear faster than others. I mean, Australia looks much better than others. You know, obviously Saudi are always interested in events. They still have a, a little issue there in terms of COVID. Um, you know, America looks miles behind, doesn't it? It is. Um, we're not seeing anything there. No, but, but we're looking good. Touch wood. You know, there's a couple of spikes, I think. But, you know, I think it's a situation where Britain might be one of the first to emerge from the ashes, so to speak. So obviously, this weekend we have um, Dylan White versus Alexander Povetkin. Yeah. Firstly, like, how is this, how is everything working for you guys there? Like, seeing, like, how much has changed over just the last five months, like, now having to make sure you stay in a bubble and... That, that's been quite exciting because of actually creating content and getting the fighters around each other and... Um, it's going to be a lot more difficult this week because you've got bigger egos. So Povetkin, Dillian, Katie Taylor, Persoon, Super Icy as well. Um, but Fight Camp has been a huge success and it's enabled us to... Another! Number four. How many you got there, Terry? Come on. <laughs> yeah, it's enabled us to um, keep boxing fresh, keep it relevant and... You know, we're looking forward to a massive culmination of an exciting project this weekend because this is by far the biggest, um, the biggest fight and biggest show that's emerged from boxing during lockdown. You know, since lockdown, and it's very difficult to do these kind of fights without a gate, to be honest with you. But we're doing it, and you know, we're looking forward to a great show. I know Dillian is finally relieved to know that by February 2021. Um, he must face the winner of Tyson Fury versus uh, Deontay Wilder, the third fight. Um, what happens, yeah, yep. if, <laughs> okay, no worries. What happens 
if Tyson, I'm sorry, Deontay doesn't want to fight before the end of the year. They find themselves tied up. Fury will fight this year. We're not waiting, right? So I'm saying, well, if you're not waiting and Wilder won't fight this year, your mandatory is Dylan White. He's got to beat Povetkin first. He might not beat Povetkin. And by the way, it's a massive fight, White against Fury. Why not fight White? And Warren says, oh, no, we're not fighting White. It's like, well, why? We're not going to fight White. Well, then you've got to vacate, you know? You, I'm, where I'm confused, Eddie, and I'm pretty sure other people are confused when they read it, is does it mean that the fight has to happen by February 2021 or has to be made by... No, it, I think... Oh, that's ridiculous, that one. I think they put... I think this is a wind-up. Yeah, but these aren't scoring, Michelle. They're tiny. Um, yeah. Oh, wait, is it by pound? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. It's not, it's not how many fish you catch. You've got to weigh them at the end. Um, so, the winner of Wilder against Fury has to fight the winner of White against Povetkin. So, that's that's the setup. We understand that, you know. Stop it. That's bigger. That's bigger. Yes! More. Great technique. All right. Uh, we understand that February might be unrealistic if that fight was to take place in. Um, if that fight was to take place in December, for example, we understand that you know it might be unrealistic, but it has to be next, and there's no way around it. Not even if you tried to make the fight with Anthony Joshua. There's absolutely from the WBC. We can make the Joshua fight for no WBC title, but that's not really the idea. You know, and AJ, as much as AJ wants to fight Fury, he actually wants to fight for the WBC title. When, when Wilder had the belt, he wasn't really interested in the Fury fight, but now Fury's got the belt, he wants to fight Fury. If Dillian White's got the belt, he want to fight Dillian White. So I said something that really gets, you know, I said, I said something that really gets up the nose of some Fury fans in that, you know, if Fury won't fight, um, if Fury won't fight uh, Dillian White, then he's got to vacate the title. Oh, that's ridiculous! You're going to get him stripped. I said, no, no, no. It's the ruling, Jesus. It's the ruling from the uh, the WBC, and there's no way around it. You know. Hook this one deep. Might need some help on this one. Yeah. So there's no way around it. I'd imagine Dillian would not take it well if, if they tried to go around that one as well. I mean, the guy's waited far too long for his opportunity. There's nothing that stops Tyson Fury. Excuse me once. Yeah, so it's, um, there's no way around it. But it doesn't stop Tyson Fury from vacating and fighting someone else. But if you ruled, we might have the same problem with Joshua and Usyk. Do you know what I mean? I was just going to say, because last time I spoke to Usyk, Usyk was not thrilled to hear that he's... He won't, he won't want to move either. You know, we're obligated to fight Usyk. So, unless that can be worked out... Okay. Unless that can be worked out, then we have to solve... You know, get have a solution to that as well. Um, it's, as always, when there's an undisputed championship, there's always issues in terms of... Sorry, mate, I haven't got any tools here. It's a bit of a deep one. Yeah, is that all right? Thank you. 
um, you know. So yeah, always drama, always politics, and we will see what happens. But what we do know is, is that the fight this weekend is extremely important to heavyweight division. And by the way, Dylan might not win. You know, he's been waiting a thousand days. Maybe Povetkin comes and upsets the apple cot. He's right up for it. So we've got to stay focused on the fight because how many times have we seen people go, yeah, the next one, yeah, the undisputed, and then slip up? So, yeah, very important to get the victory. I'm really curious what your thoughts are on Mike Tyson returning against Roy Jones Jr. in November. Andre Ward had a go at me about something. But basically, well, you know, people just... All the reports... Go at you about what? It's about clickbait, right? So I said... I said that the commission have said that they can't actually fight properly. That's, they've come out and said that, haven't they? It's an exhibition. They can't try and knock each other out, blah, blah, blah. So I said it would be a disaster if during the fight the commission stopped the fight for any reason and said, like, this is too competitive or whatever. So Boxing Scene ran a story saying Hearn says Fury, sorry, Tyson against Jones would, will be a disaster. And it's like, I didn't say that. I said if the commission jumped in and stopped it. So... Like, for me, if they want to do it, they should do it for real. But then that's not really morally right because they're not, in my opinion, physically okay to... Uh, thanks, mate. Physically okay to fight. You've, you've only got to look at Roy Jones's recent performances. Thanks, mate. And, and Mike Tyson's past performances. What were they, 15 years ago or more? to know that he's not fit to have a proper fight. He knows that. So an exhibition is probably the right thing. But my only qualm with it is, is what is an exhibition? What are they doing? Well, there is no headgear. Yeah, but they might and stop during a couple of rounds and have a chat. I mean, that's what exhibitions are. Do you know what I mean? I would just prefer it that we knew what we were getting. And that's my only worry as a product. But it's not really any of my business. At the end of the day, I'm not going to tell Mike Tyson what he should be doing. He's, you know, he's achieved much more in his life than I have. So who am I to tell him what he can and can't do? I just, I'm just saying from a punter, I want to just to get clarification of what I'm buying. Are you going to have a tear up or not? Are you just going to go in there and have a laugh? And my understanding is it, it, they're going into this as if it's a real fight. But they've been told they're not allowed a real fight. So how is that policed? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't I, Listen, I don't care. I did Jake Paul against KSI. Well, I was going to ask you about that. Um, did you see how... ...who were in decent physical shape, who had passed all their medicals and who had undertaken training camp, but it was two guys that were evenly matched and, let's be honest, weren't really going to get hurt. Do you know what I mean? Because they weren't. What do you make of Jake Paul going in to fight a... I mean, I think... I don't know the Nate... The NBA player, right? Uh, NFL, is it? NBA. I don't, I don't know who he is, but... Yeah, it's all right. I mean, I actually think Jake Paul can fight. I said in an interview, I think he might be the best one out of all the reality stars. You know, I'm, I'm certainly not going to... I'm certainly not going to not make another, in my career, never make another YouTube or sports star, because I probably will, so I don't have an issue with that. But I don't mind that, because they're, they're going to go at it. Do you know what I mean? It's the other one where I just want to know, what are you actually doing? So... I think it's a bit different when you're a hardcore boxing fan, seeing two greats like that have to do that. Do you know what I mean? No, I do. I do I understand. Think a lot of people watch it. Oh, it, absolutely, they're going to watch it. I just know that a lot of people are concerned, like, like you said, like, are they really going to be taking this? Boxing people are. Yeah. You know, like Andre Ward said to me, "Oh, 
stay in your lane over in the UK, Hearn. It's like, mate, you, surely you love boxing enough and you love Mike Tyson enough to know it's a bit sad, really, isn't it? I mean, let's be honest. Like, I mean, it is concerning. Like I said, anytime you take into the equation their age, it's, it should be concerning. Do you know what? It's not just Mike Tyson's age. Watch the knockouts that Roy Jones has had inflicted on him in the last few years. But I don't know. I like remembering Mike Tyson in the glory days, you know, not 50-odd-year-old going in there and fighting for money that he should have enough of anyway, but unfortunately he hasn't. I want to talk to you about um, Callum Smith. Uh, we know that David Benavidez basically lost his title um, on the scales, and there's talks that Canelo is interested in that, um, in the belt, and I'm hearing something about Callum Smith. Is that the case? Like they're looking... Basically, uh, Yield Dream is the number one challenger. There was a ruling on that. And then it was going to be that Callum Smith was the next mandatory, even though he's a belt holder, because Callum Smith boxed for every WBC title under the sun. We paid a load of sanction fees, and we were promised a shot of the title. Um, oh, not that one. Look at that one. Bloody hell. That should go in a little fish tank at home, you know? Um, yeah. So, we once Benavidez lost his title on the scale... I wrote to the WBC and said, right, it's now time to fulfil your promise and give Callum Smith his shot. So we're happy to fight Canelo, which we're negotiating at the moment, or we're happy to fight Yildrim, if that's the case. Um, and then from there, they came back and said, we're deciding with the, uh, you know, the committee and we'll give you some news on that today. I bet they order Canelo against Yildrim. Unfair, but... Oh, that's a big one. Decent size. So you've just come in and you've just... You, now you've got to pick it up, take the hook out of his mouth. Yeah, I, I bet they order Canelo against Yildrim, which is what it is, isn't it? What can you do? But, you know, I just wish they'd do what they said and give Callum Smith his shot at the WBC title. So, so what's the section? Sec, sec, can't even say the word. Second option for uh, Callum then? Billy Joe Saunders, probably. Um, you know, I don't see, I don't think a broadcaster would approve Canelo against Yildrim. It's not really my business, but you know, maybe it'll end up being Ca uh, Callum against Yildrim for the WBA, WBC. But, you know, there's also, I'm sure our Heyman's writing to him about Benavidez saying, give him another shot. And, you know, to be fair, as much as sometimes the WBC and those people get criticism, they do have a tough job because all these people pay a lot of sanctioning fees and they're all now going to Maurizio saying, Maurizio, come on, you promised me this, you promised me this. And he can only make one decision. So we'll see. But I think you know, we have to start looking towards the Billy Joe Saunders and Callum Smith unification. Frank Warren um, attempted to sort of... I don't know, men, this, this rift, chew you off? Is that, <laughs> Is that what you just said? Yeah, I think so. I think I said that, I don't know. What's the deal there? I mean, are you willing to do business with him? He's willing to do business with everybody. You know, the way that... The way that I describe it is this, Michelle. Imagine you had your own business, right? You have got your own business. And imagine that you went into that industry and no one really wanted to help you out and you were basically working against the system, right? 
And over time, you put your entire life into this. You made monumental sacrifices. You knocked your, you know, you knocked your um, body around, flying all over the world, you know, putting in the work. Putting in the work, right? At the same time that that's your competitor was slagging you off, was sending you legal letters, was writing to the British Boxing Board of Control, complaining about you non-stop. And then when you got to number one, that, that same person, when he was about to either become extinct or become irrelevant, reaches out and goes, you know what we should do? We should work together, right? That's the best way to explain it. And I guarantee you everyone, if they've got a brain, Ever, you're right. Would watch this interview and say, uh, I agree with him. But at the same time, we have a job to do for our clients, and we have a responsibility to the sport to deliver the best fights and to our broadcasters. So there's fights that they've mentioned that have already been ordered, but there's some fights that haven't been ordered that do make sense. Joshua Boatsy against Anti Yards, my favourite out of all of them. So. I'm more than willing to sit down with him, and I will do in September, and we'll have a bit of lunch. You know, and we should have communication. It's ridiculous that we've never spoken. But don't just presume that I'm going to come in and help you out. And I don't mean that disrespectfully about helping him out, because he's still got a good business, he's got a TV deal, but we're, we're head and shoulders. It's not even, you know. So if it makes sense for Matrim, if it makes sense for our fighters, if it makes sense for our broadcasters, then we will do it. But I'm not in the business of just giving the olive branch and saying yeah because these things stick with you you know it was only four or five weeks ago they wrote to the board four or five times trying to sabotage our fight camp you know and I think to myself why did you do that why are you what are you grasping what did they write about they wrote about David Diamante they said he was only really there 13 days in quarantine instead of 14 and they wanted to see the stamp from the immigration when he come through we had to send all his flight details to the board right but still, they were like, oh, we want to see the immigration stamp in his passport. It's like, fuck off, you grasses. Do you know what I mean? Get on with that. And they had a show the next night. So they're the kind of things that sit with me. And I'm not, I'm not, I also don't have the ego to say I won't overcome them. But they, when you're so passionate about something, when you're so driven, you don't want to deal with people like that, you know? But we'll have the conversation. We'll see where it goes. Well, yeah, no, I, you know what? I felt like half of the time when you were saying that, I was like, that's basically been my life. <laughs> I'm sure, I'm sure you, there's people that you work with or you're competing against that have tried to fuck with you. And so why, if you overcome them and you, you build a bigger channel and they go, actually, Michelle, you know what? We should do a partnership. Yeah. And you go, are you fucking serious? But people don't see those behind the scenes and people just go, yeah, do it, Hern. That's good for boxing. I agree with you, but it's got to be on our terms. Um, I want to ask you about Lomachenko versus Teofimo Lopez. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's a really good fight. Um, I think that uh, Lomachenko wins comfortably, but I think Teofimo's a good fighter. I think he's got a lot of heart. And I have to respect him because at a time when fighters are being offered less money, he's taken, peanuts is the wrong word, but tiny money for that kind of fight. So he obviously thinks he can win, and I respect him for that because... You know, that's a big fight, and um, he's t like I said, he's taking a package that doesn't really 
you know, reflect the size of the fight and the fact that he's a world champion in an undisputed fight against a pound-for-pound great. So really good fight. And I think Bob Arum deserves a lot of credit and ESPN deserve a lot of credit for putting that on because it's very tough to make fights like that at the moment. Of all the other promoters, who's would you... St- <laughs> of all the other promoters, would you who would you say is your um, your favorite and your least favorite? Um, I'd say least favorite, probably Frank, because I've never really spoke to him. But you know, after a bit of lunch, that might change. Uh, and my, my especially if he buys it, um, my favorite promoter, like the big guys, probably Bob. You know, see, Bob's the kind of guy that can sit down in a press conference and slag you off mercilessly and then call you that night and try and make a deal. Do you know what I mean? But Bob's pretty straight. Like, he's not underhanded. Like, if Bob's got a problem, he'll just tell you. He won't write letters of complaints and legal letters. He'll just phone you up and go, you fucking asshole. You know? So you kind of always know. You always know with Bob there's a good deal to be done. You know? But listen, I'm a baby in the game. I've only been doing it 10 years. These guys have been doing it. Now, I'll never forget when we did Parker against Joshua, we did like a Q&A, me and Bob, and they went to me, you know, Eddie, what's your best moment in the sport? And I said, you know, it would have to be Joshua Klitschko, 90,000 at Wembley, you know. They went, what about you, Bob? And he said, it was either the thriller in Manila or the rumble in the jungle. I'm like, oh, shit. (laughs) So I'm a baby, really, you know, and I've got a lot to learn and I've got a long way to go, but, you know. Terry's sitting just over there, and uh, there's mentions of something with Michaela Mayer. Yeah, I mean, Michaela Mayer is, she talks a great game. I think she's great for the sport. Um, We signed Eva Brodnicka to fight Terry Harper, actually. And then we found out that the WBO had conveniently already ordered the mandatory against Michaela Mayer. So we have purse bids for that on Friday. Um, We're going to do that fight in Poland. Um, She's quite a big star in Poland, so... Obviously, we have the benefit of a 75-25 purse bid, which helps a lot. Um, and, yeah, Michaela Meyer will get a shot. She's a good fighter, you know, and I think she's good for the sport. You know, she talks a lot. She looks good. She's a good athlete. And I think she's a welcome addition to women's boxing. So, you know, if she can beat Eva Brodnicka, we'd love to make the... I think Michaela Meyer against Terry Harper in 2021 is a monstrous event. You know, it could be on the uh, Zone in America, could be on ESPN in America, could be on Sky Sports in main event and a sold out arena in the UK so you know can't say it too loud because she's over there but Terry's on the verge of you know Terry's on the verge of head headlining these major arenas and filling them up so it's great women's boxing is so refreshing to be able to just make go you know make calls and go do you want to fight yes 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 it's always yes you know the only thing that's going to get more difficult now is the women want more money rightly so because we're nowhere near equality in that sense you know, but equality doesn't come. You know, I always say that it's not about, in sport, in business, you don't just say the women get paid the same as the men. That's how it works. Everything is the, is the commercial value. It doesn't mean, like, men get paid different money because of their commercial value. So it's nothing to do with women and men. If Terry Harper has more commercial value than a male who's headlining, she should get more money than that individual. And that's what's not been happening. That is, not, that is what has not been happening, you know? And Katie Taylor was a good example of that. She's okay now, but when, we, when she was starting out, she wasn't getting paid as much money as, ouch. She wasn't getting paid as much money as some of the men 
who arguably she had more value than. We're starting to get there, you know. It, and again, it doesn't come down to men and women. It comes down to your value, yeah. the numbers that you create, the numbers that you drive at the box office. And the women now starting to deliver the TV numbers, starting to drive the ticket sales. So, you know, that, that even playing field is fast approaching. And lastly, I want to ask you, uh, just today we saw on online that Gary Russell Jr. Can you pretend that I took that out and didn't ask for help? <laughs> yeah, Gary Russell. Uh, Gary Russell Jr. is uh, Terrence. Yeah, I like that. Really? Yeah. Do you know why I like it, right? Because it's got a great build-up, great backstory. So, listen, I want Kel Brook to get that fight, but if Kel doesn't get it, I don't have a problem with Gary Russell stepping up. I mean, Terrence isn't the biggest welterweight in the world. He'd come up from lightweight. Bit of a mismatch in size, but great build-up, great story. So, yeah. Uh, speaking of Kel... Hopefully they pick Kel Brook. Speaking of Kel, um, do you... Do you a silly question, really. I mean, everybody's going to be like, why would you even ask that? Because, I, quite frankly, I think everybody's written it off already. But, you know, with Kel Brook versus Amir Khan, I mean, is that completely written off? It is, because we could never get the money together for that fight in terms of what Amir wanted. And now, with no crowds, that fight seems like a lifetime away. What did he want? A lot of money. Too much money. Yeah. But if he wants to enter... Oi, oi! Am I doing something wrong here with getting these? Terry, how many maggots you got on there at a time? Are you doing? Are you are you putting one maggot on or more? Oh, that's why. Yeah. Um, you know, without being able to fill up the O2 or without being able to fill up Manchester United, we can't even get close to those numbers. So unless Amir turns around and says, "Actually, now I'm prepared to take X," but that's not going to happen. So, you know. That fight seems like a lifetime away. The fight that never fight could that make. Never yeah. The, the fight that never and probably happened. will never happen, you know? Shame. Watch, it'll be like 20 years from now. It'll be like yeah, that exhibition. Roy Jones. I'll be there. Exhibitions are great. You'll pull out this interview going, Eddie, didn't you say exhibitions don't really make sense? Nah, nah, that was then. That was yeah. Well, Ed, thank you so much. Good um, yeah, good to see you as well, you know, given the circumstances. Don't miss this Saturday, people. Dillian White, Alexander Povetkin, Katie Taylor, Serrano, great card, fight camp, the final week, live on Sky Sports Box Office, The Zone in America. We'll see you there. Best salesman in the world right here. Bye, Fight Fans. Hey, Fight Fans, it's Michelle Joy Phelps. If you haven't already subscribed to my YouTube channel, make sure you go ahead and do so by clicking this icon right here and hit the bell button so you can get notified every time we upload a new video. And we also have a free app available on iTunes and Google Play. So make sure you go ahead and download that. Bye, Fight Fans.